Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, so here, let me get you guys all keyed in on some stuff. First of all, hello. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. That hasn't changed. What has changed... I'm sure you guys can still hear the nasal stuff going on with me, but that's actually something that stayed the same. The thing that's changed is that Los Angeles is basically underwater right now, uh, which I know for the rest of the country is like, ah, whatever, a little bit of water. But this city completely shuts down when there's rain. The roads are flooded. You can't get anywhere. So as a result, my day has shifted ever so slightly uh, with both children um, at home, likely to be at home all day, And in about 30 minutes, um, that means that I am on duty and you may or may not hear from me the rest of today. So I wanted to quickly get this show in before the madness of the day has ensued. We have a weekend to go back through. We're going to cover all 30 teams. We're going to get you reset for the upcoming week, which I believe is now week 16, which seems nuts, but I I think that's true. Um, How the hell did we get this far? We're like... What are we at now? Are we 60? Yeah, we're 60% of the way through the NBA season. Amazing. Downsloping it. And it's trade deadline week on top of everything else. Thursday is the trade deadline. We'll have our live show from 7.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Pacific time. It's a five-hour show. Then I do four hours of basketball play-by-play later that evening. So Thursday, I will be dead. Uh, but it's going to be a good one. It'll be a happy dead. Uh, so... Let's just dive straight on in today. I'm going to try to keep promo to a minimum because we've got so much stuff to cover and I want to try to do it at sort of a a breakneck speed. We'll start with the Orlando Magic at the Detroit Pistons. Don't worry about this, everybody. Just handing an iPad to another person in my home. My wife was attempting to crawl under the video. Why she didn't just tap me on the shoulder and say, we need the iPad. Uh, welcome to my morning. It's actually a John Denver song. I believe it's called Farewell Andromeda. Welcome to my morning. Welcome to my day. Yes, I'm the one responsible for getting it just this way. Uh, Orlando is interesting right now for a couple of reasons. The main one being that Jalen Suggs has sort of defensive statted his way back into my heart. I still don't believe in Markel Fultz. I'm sorry. I'm... One of the naysayers there. I can be Captain Buzzkill. But I like Jalen Suggs when he's getting uh, defensive stats. And he has been last four or five games in a row now. I basically have continued to say, look, if this is really the turnaround for him, the pivot point to kind of come back out of this thing, uh, then I wanted to get back in. And so I kind of have to follow through on what I said, which he's doing. He's getting defensive stats. His minutes have been better. And maybe it was just a health thing. You know, he had all these injuries and fatigue and all of that sort of lumped together. Uh, but to me, Jalen Suggs is now a re-ad after he was an early season ad for a while. I ended up finally dropping him after trying to hold on as long as possible. But now I think he's a re-ad. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is back to splitting minutes with Mo Wagner, which was... There were like a there was like three games in there where Wendell Carter Jr. looked like he was going to run away with it. And I thought, man, did I really goof this? No, I didn't goof this one up. We know what he is. We know the Magic are going to mix and match. Uh, We know that they're probably trying to thin the herd a little bit because they just have, frankly, too many guys. And so Goga Batadze just hasn't been playing. 
Uh, also of note on the Magic, Jonathan Isaac has been hovering near 20 minutes lately, which typically for him is enough. You can't possibly add him in a head-to-head format because he's going to take a bunch of days off in there and his minutes are going to bounce around. But if you wanted to... And this is a tough week to say this. Even on the Roto side, stash him at the end of your bench and not use him against your games cap. I could maybe make an argument for that. It's just, it's hard to, when on trade deadline week, you want to be using those sort of bonus roster spots on the Roto side, at the very least, to stash guys that might get better at the trade deadline. So that's why, in my eyes, and maybe on February 9th, maybe on Friday, we come back and we're like, okay, we know what's happened at the trade deadline. We have an idea of who we think is up and who is down. I now have a dead roster slot of, I was say, I was stashing Bilal Kulubali, hypothetically, and let's say the Wizards don't make the moves we want. Okay, then you switch that for Jonathan Isaac. Okay, but I still think we're, you know, four days away from that being a reasonable course of action. Isaiah Stewart remains out for the Pistons. I think he'll be out for, I think, the did they say another week, a week and a half or something like that. Uh, Oscar Thompson finally got some playing time. Um... I still think he's more of a silly season guy than a trade deadline guy. So if you're trying to squat on Thompson, you're probably going to be waiting another month as opposed to another week. I don't know this to be the case. Maybe they turn his direction even when Isaiah Stewart's back. But I also don't feel like... um, I I, I don't know that Boyan Bogdanovich is going anywhere. I know they're trying to move Alec Burks. I I just... Like, I, I don't know many guys in the Pistons are really in a position to get out of the way for Thompson to make an immediate impact on Thursday as opposed to on, you know, March 20th when they're like, all right, Burks, Gallo, Mascala, uh, Bogdanovich, and they just, like, list off anybody who's older than 26 years old. You guys all get to take the rest of the year off, and that would be the moment. I have no real thoughts on Phoenix. Bradley Beal had a big ball game, which was good because he was sort of overdue for that. Uh, Grayson Allen did not, but he's a hold. Washington is the more interesting or more horrifying side of this particular ball game. Kuzma sat this one out. Could potentially be trying to get him right for the trade deadline. I don't know for sure, and I don't want to make any assessments there. Jordan Poole decided he was going to do the I don't really care act again. La-da-dee-da. Um... I actually still think that Poole has a weird, like, kind of outside shot to be a trade deadline winner. I've been fading him. Anybody that's... So, if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time today, you're going to be like, oh, Dan is interested in Jordan Poole. Dan has been telling you all to avoid Jordan Poole like the mother-bleeping plague since a month before the season started. But I'm also a pragmatic fellow who notices that he's getting dropped now in leagues, which probably should have happened two months ago, but he's getting dropped now when you legitimately would only have to hold him for three days to find out if Kuzma and Tyus Jones or Daniel Gafford, whoever, get traded. And then, like, yeah, you're going to have games like this where Poole just decides to pull the plug quickly on his night, but you'll also have games like the previous one where he takes 22 shots or whatever it was. And to me, that's a reason. Now it's like, okay... Poole's been awful, but there's like a 30-40% chance that more guys get out of the way. Somehow he needed more to get out of his way, and so that to me is worth it. Um, Marvin Bagley is is not healthy right now, so there isn't a, a legitimate backup for Daniel Gafford, but he's another potential trade deadline winner. 
I've got one half of one eye, not even a full eye. I've got half an eye on Corey Kispert, whose fantasy game is is fairly whack. But if at the deadline it's, you know, Kuzma gets moved and Jones gets moved and Gafford gets moved, like if they really do blow the whole thing to smithereens, Kispert could, number one, potentially start. Uh, Number two, even if he doesn't, you saw he took 13 shots here in 25 minutes. Like, if he goes up to 28, 29, 30 minutes, you could see him just chucking away 15 shots a ball game, and then you kind of have to consider him more so on the points league side, but possibly both, but that's why it's only half of one eye. And then Koulibaly, who had the absolute worst game that we've seen in the Tony Snell era. Sorry, I shouldn't take shots at Tony Snell. He's actually part of a kind of a heartwarming story in the NBA right now, or what could be one that's kind of a sad story at the moment um, about his kids needing health care. Uh, sorry, Tony Snell, but you are the master of the zeros and everything. Koulibaly did have one rebound and one turnover in 25 minutes of this ball game, and this is what I've talked about since November. He's not a play in fantasy unless we can promise he gets over 10 shots a ball game, which feels like it could happen if both Kuzma and Tyus Jones get moved at the deadline. We got to look at what the team looks like without Kuzma in this one. Admittedly, they got spanked, and they got spanked quick and early, so maybe we didn't get all the information we needed, but we certainly got some. Yes, the Memphis Grizzlies are still a professional basketball team. No, they're not really fielding a professional basketball team, but they, you know, they wear the jersey. Uh, Memphis lost by 40. They had nobody left. 13 players were out. Somehow they managed to run eight guys out there in this ballgame, but, like, look at this. Look at this madness. I've got to believe that the Grizzlies have some of their injured guys back for the next one. But if they don't, we got an idea of who you could start, which was Gigi Jackson, Scottie Pippen Jr. In my eyes are probably the two safest just because they can actually like have fantasy game. David Roddy's fantasy game is whack. Um, trade or sorry, Jacob Gilliard's fantasy game is is teetering on the brink of possibly useful. And then Luke Kennard could have fantasy game, but I don't think his body is ready for 30 minutes yet, so that's why he only played 24 here. And I can't start him in 24 minutes. I need Kennard playing, you know, the full starter's complement. But let's hope that someone's back. Let's hope that Vince Williams and or Santi Aldama or someone like that shows back up, and that's why I'm not making any moves on Memphis until we get their injury report for the next ballgame. As I mentioned, we're kind of lightning rounding it today, so apologies for going very fast. You might not need to actually run this show on one and a half speed. No Jalen Brown for the Celtics, so Al Horford started and was decent, and that is the running story for Boston. When one starter is out, you can play Big Al. Clippers and Heat had themselves a 1990s basketball game. First to 100 wins, it was the Clippers. Kawhi has been amazing. James Harden has been very good outside of one ball game. Uh, Kawhi, by the way, is number five on a per-game basis. He has almost chased down Anthony Davis for the number four spot. And by totals, believe it or not, Kawhi is actually number four. Also behind Anthony Davis there. But uh, I think Luka... Who am I missing? Who's up in that top? Oh, uh... Joel Embiid is obviously the player in the top five that fell out when you started looking at totals instead. Um... Harden is at number 17. Paul George is at number 13. Clippers continue to be a fantasy gold mine. Ivica Zubats came back, played 18 minutes, 
and struggled mightily with Bam Adebayo, who just kind of owned him in this one. Zoo is a very low-end center. He's number 110 on the year. He'll hover probably in that range once he gets back up to full tilt. Better because Harden is on the team, unquestionably. So I think I think he should probably be rostered in most formats for that sort of fringe startable stuff. Yeah, that's where we'll sit with that. Miami, no Tyler Hero. The question was, would anybody really step up? And the answer was kind of Josh Richardson, but I don't want anything to do with him. So I will kindly pass on anybody that's not a big namer in Miami these days. Charlotte is another team that should probably, like the Grizzlies and Wizards, get relegated to another uh, level of basketball right now. Uh, Indy, uh, with Halliburton on a severe minute restriction, still beat the crap out of them. Aaron Neesmith, big ball games. He'll just continue to go huge while Halliburton is is half out. Um, a little surprised that Andrew Nemhard did nothing, but you guys know that I haven't been particularly high on his fantasy game this year, and that's nothing is really moving me off of that position. I don't think there's anything to add on Indiana other than to just say, and I don't have a great argument for it on today's show. I might have to do a specialty show, hopefully tomorrow, if the kids are back in school. I could probably make an argument that Tyrese Halliburton is the most harebrained, but also possibly the greatest buy low story in the history of fantasy basketball right now. Because, and there's no surprise here either. It's not like it, it's not like people don't believe in him. It's that they haven't given any indication of when his minutes cap is going to get lifted. This is just sort of an indefinite thing because he wants to qualify for the various awards, so they don't want him sitting out right now, but he's obviously not fully healthy, so he's playing 20 minutes of ballgame just to qualify. And he still makes them better in those minutes, but I have no idea when he's going to play more. Thing is, you could get him for you know probably like a top 50 kind of guy right now, and you know as soon as he starts to play more than 20 minutes a game, he's way better than that. We just don't know when. So stay tuned. I have thoughts on that. I just don't know that I'm going to have time today to get them to you. Meanwhile, meanwhile, over on the Charlotte side, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Brandon Miller are the only viable... Oh, Nick Richards, sorry. And Nick Richards, the only viable Hornets, and they are semi-viable at the moment, but because they're competent NBA basketball players, they're going to get a ton of minutes, and so that means you can play them. When LaMelo Ball comes back, I'm not sure P.J. Washington remains a hold, but that I guess is an if LaMelo Ball comes back. He's another guy that's like, you could probably get him for like a top 60, top 70 guy right now because no one knows if he's going to play another game this year. Also, Charlotte is selling off pieces. We don't know exactly which. We know Miles Bridges is on the trade block. I would assume P.J. Washington is on the block, but also it's not clear that anybody is just going to magically move into fantasy value if or when those guys disappear. Oklahoma City and Toronto, many overtimes later. Uh, this was an interesting one because Toronto double-teamed Shea pretty much the whole ball game, and so SGA ended up with 14 assists. He didn't have to score all that much, which meant that Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Chad Holmgren, who's obviously great anyway, and Aaron Wiggins all took a ton of shots in this game that they normally would not. You should not adjust your expectations from the Thunder unless everybody starts double-teaming Shea. That would be the reason to sort of flip your expectations on Dort and Wiggins and Giddy, who 
don't get to do all that much typically because typically Shea is taking, you know, 10, 11 free throws and 20 some odd shots in, in a game like this one. And in this one, instead, he had 14 assists. So it's just a, a different job. Toronto is uh, notable. And, and again, the, you know, the double overtime played a pretty large factor in this. But R.J. Barrett was back. So he and Quickly are both in there now for Toronto and, and Scotty Barnes. So the core is there. Jakob Pertl got back up into the 30s in minutes. He had a really nice ball game here. I really would... I want to talk about Dennis Schroeder and Gary Trent Jr. Because those are the guys that I keep kind of bouncing back and forth on a little bit. Uh, Schroeder was excellent in this one. Got 16 shots. Gary Trent got 15 shots. We obviously can't guarantee that they're going to get that kind of opportunity on a night-to-night basis. But if the usage is at this rate, even not in double overtime... Those guys probably end up rosterable after the trade deadline. And the reason we got there in this game is because Bruce Brown basically didn't get to play. And I have to believe, well, some of that was, I guess, just sort of matchup type stuff. But some of it also was that the Raptors want to move Bruce Brown. And the dumbest thing you can move, or the dumbest thing you can do leading up to the deadline is hurt the guy that you're trying to trade. So they got him in there so that there were no shenanigans, but they're just going to try to keep him healthy. We know the Knicks are interested in Brown. We've heard the Lakers are interested in Bruce Brown. We know the Nuggets are interested in a reunion with Bruce Brown. There's a market out there. And so the Raptors like, look, we're not going to, we're not going to run you ragged here. So quickly Barrett Barnes, Pirtle, you guys get nuts. Uh, Trent started, which I think is notable. Um, I'm not super high on either Trent or Schroeder, but this game sort of gave me some some butterflies in my tummy as if to say, okay, Dan, you weren't completely out of your mind to suggest that like sitting on Gary Trent is not the most insane thing. And he was on our trade deadline stash list from, uh, from Saturday as a two-away guy. I thought he's a two-away guy, uh, but maybe it's only one. Maybe it's just Bruce Brown that needs to get out of the way. It just It kind of felt like he needed two guys when a game doesn't go to double overtime, and perhaps that does end up being the case, but it almost feels a little bit more like one and a half after seeing this ball game. Maybe he's one and a half guys away. Minnesota blew out Houston, so there aren't a ton of takeaways from this one. Uh, getting a lot of questions on whether Amon Thompson and Cam Whitmore can be fantasy assets the rest of this year. My guess is no, just based on the fact that they're not getting enough minutes consistently, and I I didn't see anything here to make me move off of that. That's not to say that I don't like them as basketball players and fantasy players. I think Whitmore in particular looks like he's going to have a really interesting fantasy game. Uh, but there need to be minutes. And then Jalen Green was awful. I still think he's a sell high. I don't know if you can after a bad ball game, but you certainly could have after a few really big ones. And I've, again, seen nothing to move me off of that posture. I have no thoughts on the Timberwolves, so let's keep moving again because we got to go fast today. Milwaukee blew a big lead in Utah. I mean, this was a massive meltdown. Didn't Utah, I think Utah put up 40 points in the fourth quarter and outscored the Bucks by like 27 or something ridiculous like that. They look pedestrian at the moment. Let me go to the box score. Yeah, outscored them 40 to 13 in the fourth quarter. I think the Bucks were up, what's, let's see, 2, 18, 12. They were up 12 going into that fourth quarter. Yeah. And lost by 15. Yikes. 
Anyway, no Brooke Lopez, so Bobby Portis is your obvious stream there. For Utah, it was the bench that made the big run. Uh, Larry Markkinen got back in with the bench unit, but Walker Kessler got a really nice game because of it. Keontae George had a really nice game because of it. Uh, Kelly Olynyk had a better game because of it. Jordan Clarkson was a little better because of it. And so then you had, uh, you know, John Collins still double-doubled, but only 24 minutes. He's been playing well lately at the center spot. I talked about this on, I think, Friday's show that I was very late to notice that his minutes were coming at center. That's on me. It should have been more obvious to me, but I was blinded by the fact that he had so many bad ball games in a row. But now that they're playing him at the five, that's why you've seen the, the big rebounding uptick, the field goal percent uptick. I don't think all of it sticks for him, uh, but you, you, I think you do kind of have to like the uh, per-minute stuff bump that Collins has had. But the, the short version of all of this is, this game didn't change my evaluation of anybody on the Jazz. This was a game where the starters were getting blitzed, the bench made a run, and so you had kind of like a weird lineup for the Jazz through most of the fourth quarter, and that's why a few guys had better ball games. Portland was down a bunch of guys, and somehow it made no difference. Uh, Jabari Walker was still not very good. Um, as I said, I think he's a three away. And this was actually a three away, and it still wasn't enough. No Brogdon, no Sharp, uh, and no Grant. And it still wasn't enough for Jabari Walker to get 10 shots. That was, I think, disconcerting, and it's why he's basically at the bottom of my deadline watch board. At some point, you might assume that, like, a Matisse Thibel either could get moved or shut down. Could Simons? I mean, he's not an old guy. DeAndre Ayton, maybe. But then you'd expect someone like Duop Reith would be the, the big jumper there. And Aiden's missed a bunch of time already. So unless he's actually hurt, I don't think he's just going to get the plug pulled on him, at least not until pretty late in the year. So this is it. Like, Scoot, the most inefficient game of all time. Simons and Aiden had nice ones. When Grant comes back, he'll do more. And if Brogdon gets moved, blah, blah, blah. So again, nothing really changes for me. Now, Denver, we may have our first actual Denver storyline in a long time. KCP hurt his hamstring. I would assume this is going to mean more Peyton Watson. He played more in this ball game, uh, although some of that was because Michael Porter Jr. was not playing well. But I, 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 again, would assume that Watson's going to be the guy to step in if KCP has to miss a game or two. I don't know that I'm adding Watson, Watson before we find out. And for Roto, I don't think I'm adding him at all unless we hear that KCP is going to miss like two weeks or more because I think I'd like to see what the Nuggets look like with Watson in there, with all of the other high-usage guys. Because it's not like one of the usage dudes went down. KCP is not that. So, uh, watch list is the short version, which, again, I should be doing short versions today uh, while I'm trying to get in and out of here very quickly. Uh, let's go back to Saturday. What did I do? Was that nine ball games? So we're a little more than halfway done. Brooklyn at Philly. Um... Cam Thomas had a 40-burger. He is an amazing sell-high guy right now because you might be able to get, like, a top 50 type of dude coming back. And we know Cam Thomas is a great scorer on bad field goal percent. Doesn't typically rebound very much, doesn't assist very much. Uh, every once in a while, have a game where more stuff sort of falls into the right spot. And look, that's not to say that his job isn't better here as a starter than it was coming off the bench. It is but he was like top 250 off the bench. And as a starter, he can sometimes squeeze inside the top 100 as kind of like a one or two trick pony. 
that doesn't translate that great to nine cat. Okay, points leagues, fine. You know, you're doing things differently there. I get it. But nine cat, he's always going to be overvalued because he scores a lot. Cam Johnson's been better lately. Um, I feel less horrible about insisting you guys all hold him through the trade deadline. Ben Simmons had nine rebounds and five assists in 14 minutes, but it does feel like this is going to be a very long ramp up for him. So I don't, I think I'm changing my position on Simmons. I thought he needed to be stashed to see what he would look like. I I don't think he's ever going to get to 30 minutes. And if he does, it's probably not going to be for many weeks the way that they're going super gentle on him. So I think you can part with Simmons. He's going to be a bigger headache than he's worth. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is out, but is also on the trade block. Royce O'Neal's on the trade block. Spencer Dinwiddie's on the trade block. If all of those guys get moved, also Dennis Smith Jr. was hurt, then maybe you get one eye on Lonnie Walker, who scored 20 in this one, but he suffers from sort of a similar ailment to Cam Thomas, which is it's mostly points and threes. It's hard to get Lonnie Walker inside the nine-cat board also. I don't know. Did I summarize that okay? Uh, Paul Reed was sick on Saturday. We didn't find that out until after the ball game, hence the two points and four boards in 15 minutes. He's still your fill-in for Joel Embiid. We only need him to get to about 25 minutes a game to be a top 100 player, and I think he can do it. Kelly Oubre is a start uh, as a streamer as well. Uh, Tobias Harris, when he comes back, is going to be your guy, but with Tyrese Maxey healthy, you don't need to worry about Patrick Beverly, who did have nine assists, but his minutes are not going to be high enough to make a difference. Warriors lost to the Hawks in overtime. Steph Curry had 60. Fun little footnote that was flying across Twitter. This is the third time this year that a team has had a 60-point scorer and lost. And I think that had happened two times in like the previous 20 years or something. Uh, Andrew Wiggins left early, so that meant more Brandon Pajemski in this one. He had 39 minutes, second good game in a row for him. You can add him because we don't really know what the Wiggins story is going to be. You can drop Andrew Wiggins because there's no point in sitting on a maybe if he's hurt. And I would assume that Pajemski probably slides back into the starting five here. Jonathan Kaminga fouled out in 34 minutes. He still did have 16-4-3. He is also very much a sell-high guy. He's playing very, very well, but he's also not going to shoot 70% on high volume forever. And when that levels off, you're going to be glad that you cashed in for, you know, a 60-range guy or whatever you think you could get for him right now. Uh, if the best you can do is, like, top 100, you probably don't do it. That's not good enough. But, again, if you can get, like, a late 5th, early 6th, late even late 6th kind of a guy, I think I would probably do it for Kaminga. And then Pajemski, you can add him. Head-to-head, -head, you start him. Roto, you might want to wait and see. Uh, but if he's sort of pulling out of this little rookie tailspin, then... Uh, he'd be worthwhile as a start. The Clint Capella injury that we all knew was going to happen eventually took a long time to happen, but it did, did now finally happen. He had a big, big ball game prior to it, but he hurt his core. It's a core injury. So Okongwu all the way to the moon and back. It is go time. Onyeka had 22 and 16 with a couple of blocks in this ball game. He is a top 50 guy as a starter. Enjoy. No Sadiq Bey. DeAndre Hunter is being eased back in at just 16 minutes. Um, I think Hunter could end up as a post-deadline winner if he can get back up to starters minutes. I guess that's sort of the big question mark there. Jalen Johnson, colossal ball game. Trey Young's been running very hot right now. That's part of why the Hawks have won a few ball games in a row. 
We kind of just need to see who gets moved on this team. But as far as the deadline goes, we know DeJounte Murray's on the block. And if he moves, that just opens up even more for these other guys. Which, you know, I guess Sadiq Bey, if he comes back, could end up being fringy again somehow. Whole damn year he's going to be fringy. But Okongo's the big story after this ballgame. Kings beat the Bulls. Trey Lyles came out of nowhere, and you can ignore that. Malik Monk, after I just got done saying that I was ready to drop him on Friday, he posted two good ball games in a row. So Monk stuffed it in my mug, and you can go ahead and make sure he's back on rosters. Uh, I gave him as long as I freaking could. I mean, he was bad for like three or four weeks in a row, and then all of a sudden, as soon as I was like, fine, I give up, then he exploded. Yeah, my sinuses are still screwed up. For the Bulls, you start the starters right now. Easy call. Oh, hey, uh, Kevin Herter, keep an eye on whether his heater's running out here with Monk sort of heating back up again. We knew Herter was not going to last forever. He's a stream while warm guy. He might not be warm anymore. I badly need to pause the show to blow my nose, but we're just going to make it through. Uh, we talked Milwaukee already. Dallas, uh, Luka Doncic is questionable. He had his ankle kind of rolled up on in this ballgame, but Kyrie Irving sounds like he'll be back for their next one. So if one of those two guys is out, you can play Tim Hardaway Jr. If they're both back, I wouldn't play anybody besides Luka and Tim Hardaway. Uh, Maxi Kleba got the big center start in this one, but it was Rashawn Holmes in the previous game, which means you can't really trust any of them. Sure, you could flip a coin and go with whoever starts, but there's no guarantee that dude plays more than 22 minutes. I don't care about Josh Green's big ball game. I mean, it was nice, but it's not something that you can put stock in nightly. If it could, it would have happened a few times before this one. Cleveland, still kind of trying to get the pieces all fit together. Uh, Jared Allen played through an ankle injury in this one. We'll see if he's available. I think he was at practice, so I'm hopeful. Uh, Max Struess is becoming a, a much harder hold right now. Every time it seems like he's about to get things back together, something disrupts it. And at a certain point, even I've got to be like, look, maybe maybe it's just not meant to be from the field goal percent standpoint because he's at 40% right now. And all we really need is like 42 to be fine. And I keep saying, look, he's going to get back to 42. He's got to get back to 42. He might not get back to 42. I would say try to continue holding on to Struess if you can, because I do still think he probably does get back to 42%. And I think he'll get 11 shots a ball game. But again, the team is trying to work the pieces back in. Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, they all took a crap ton of shots in this one. We know Karis LeVert's fantasy game won't support being held if he doesn't have big usage, so he's a guy that I think will be able to drop here. Um, Struess, this is the first day I felt more like 50-50 on him because I just... Maybe he doesn't get to 42%. The nice thing is, even even sort of bad Max Struess is still typically getting you a few boards, a few assists, a steal, half a block, some threes. It's that damn field goal percent that's really sagging things for him. Uh, Jeremy Sohan slowed considerably for the Spurs. I still think he's a sell high when he's rolling. And, you know, I know that kind of puts me on an island, but it is what it is. That's just how I feel about it. I don't think he magically became a way better basketball player overnight. He's definitely better, as I've said, in this role 
with Trey Jones at point and, you know, him getting set up and not having to run the point guard spot. But he's still Sohan, and I don't think his percentages just sort of fixed themselves. Lakers beat the uh, beat-up Knicks. They're still down uh, OG Ananobi and Julius Randle. It probably took a little more than it should have, but give the Knicks a lot of credit. They've been winning games even without their guys. This actually snapped, I believe, a nine-game win streak for New York. So with or without their dudes, they've been finding a way. Uh, for the Knicks, you can start the starters right now. I don't know if that's going to be the case when OG... Well, when OG comes back, you probably can still start the starters, depending on who's, who's in and who's out. Let me Let me try this a different way. Precious Achua is the one that you're considering not starting. Even if Hart goes to the bench, I still prefer him over Precious when OG comes back. There, that was clearer. For the Lakers, Braun and AD were back. They're questionable for the game in Charlotte. I don't know how the Lakers can consider resting someone right now. They basically need to win every ball game they play. Uh, they're the nine seed, a game up on Utah, one game back of the Mavericks. They have a path. It's an outside one, but they have a path to maybe get out of the play-in. But more than anything, they just got to be focused on getting into the upper half of the play-in. So, like, can you really screw around with a gimme game? I would assume their guys play, and if they do, yes, Rui Hachimura is in with the starters. It didn't really make them any better. Uh, so you're going AD, LeBron, Reeves, and D'Lo. You're not extending beyond that as long as the main dudes are there. And now let's play the game we always play on this show, which is did anybody not play Friday or Saturday or Sunday? And the answer is yes, and it was the Pelicans. I think we're the only team that didn't play Saturday or Sunday. You guys know where I stand on the Pelicans, and I don't think I even need to go to a box score to tell you. Uh, where I stand on the Pelicans is too many of the fringier guys are eating from each other's buckets. So if Trey Young, or sorry, Trey Murphy is out, you can start Herb Jones. Right now, Herb is out, so you can start Trey Murphy, even if they're not great on sort of the game-to-game. -game. Those two guys, you need one out to play the other. Kind of the same story for JV and Larry Nance. I know I keep thinking with my heart on the Larry Nance one, but the truth is he's not going to have value if Valanchunas is in there. And Valanchunas will have value if Nance is in, but it won't be as good. And then obviously with Nance out for a couple of ballgames, JV's been a bit better. Very quickly here on the week ahead, because I know this is supposed to be a weekly preview show as well, but it's trade deadline week, meaning you have to approach this week differently. Meaning, and I know that this has been said many times, and I say it every year, but it needs to be said again. Don't use your moves before deadline day. Don't use your moves before deadline day. If you're going to use a move, go to manscaped.com and use our coupon code ethos20, ethos20, to get 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com so you can clean your ugly mug or whatever other part of your body you need to tidy up with Manscaped. If you need to use a move... Go over to social and find me at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or follow Ethos Fantasy BK. Check it out, sportsethos.com. Also, of course, hey, go into the show description, folks, the Trade Deadline live show, three days away. We're at 696 thumbs up on that thing. I, I think we can get to 700. 
I think 750 would probably be my end goal. We'll do some giveaways related to that. Uh, that show, again, is on Thursday at 7.30 a.m. Again, if you're new, please do check out stuff in the show description. I know that's this sort of like the standard thing that a YouTube host or show host or whatever says, but we've got our free Discord link in there. We've got the Deadline Show link in there. We've got links to our sponsors in there. Um, the Discord is a lot of fun. It's sort of just people helping people. Uh, and again, it's there's a free side to it. I've done some of my tweet storms in there lately that you can only then get on the free side of Discord. We're trying some new stuff out, so I'd love it if you guys would uh, check out some of those links in the show description. But again, like, you know, you're looking at the week ahead here, you're going to want, if you're in a head-to-head -head format, you're going to want your moves for Thursday morning. Because, you know, like one trade happens at 9 a.m. on Thursday morning, Pacific time. And you're like, oh, I got to go pick up this guy. And then 25 minutes later, another trade happens with that same team. And the guy you picked up is worthless. You're going to want all four on Thursday. Unless you are like the seven seed in your head-to-head -head league. And so you just like, you can't possibly afford to lose 5-4 this week and you absolutely positively need to have to win or your team is dead meat. You need to hold your head-to-head -head moves until Thursday morning. Roto, on the other hand, you don't have to worry about streaming to fill roster slots, so it's sort of a different monster. You don't have a weekly moves cap, most likely. But for Roto, you're probably taking your bench slots this week, or at least one or two of them, and you're looking at the trade deadline possible winners list, which, again, we did a show on that just a couple days ago on Saturday, so I would, uh, if you guys have a moment to go back there and check out that show from Saturday, please go do it. I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, I covered I covered 12 players. I tried to rank them to the best of my ability. Uh, it's the show that's on the homepage of our YouTube uh, page here, which is youtube.com slash sportsethos. You can find it on traditional pod feeds by just going back to the last show before this one. So it shouldn't be all that hard to find. But we went through all these names that just have some measure of appeal some of them harder to acquire than others, like you're not going to be able to get Okongwu now with Capella going down, but he, I thought, was a buy low a week ago prior to the deadline. Um, what are some of the other names that that I kicked around on that show on uh, on Saturday? The um, the full list was Okongwu, who you're not going to be able to get, Desunmu, who you probably can't get right now either because he's starting, Marvin Bagley I think is interesting. I know he's hurt right now, but if Gafford gets moved, he jumps into a big role. Um, Dennis Smith Jr., same story. If Spencer Dinwiddie gets moved, he could see him, himself jumping up the board. Schroeder and Gary Trent are interesting. Patrick Williams in Chicago, let's say that he comes back. Levine, we know, is out for the year now, by the way. So I was doing that show, and then like 20 minutes later, the Zach Levine out for the season news broke. Uh, so Patrick Williams could be interesting if the Bulls move Caruso or DeRozan. That's a big deal. And then he and Asunmu could be fun. So... The Bulls, the Wizards, the Hawks, the Nets, the Raptors. These are teams where you're sort of like laser focused. And in terms of like, again, you're not going to be able to just go get a Kongwu, Desumu, even like a Jordan Poole. You're probably not going to be able to pick up. But you could maybe buy two of those guys or Patrick Williams you might be able to pick up. It wouldn't be insane uh, to stash Patrick Williams. Because let's say DeMar DeRozan gets traded suddenly there's all the usage in the universe, and that's what he's needed. So he and Desumu would be monsters. Um, you should be able to add Marvin Bagley in a lot of leagues. Um, Gary Trent Jr. is very addable. 
Again, uh, ceiling a little bit more limited on that side. But again, if you're on the Roto side of things, you're looking to see, okay, well, what could my team need post-deadline? I have said a number of times, I think Koulibaly is two players away. Uh, I think, and I, again, I, it might even be three, uh, just for consistency's sake, but a lot of the guys at the deadline this year are two moves away. So Patrick Williams, two moves away. Now it's one, because Levine is out for the year, so he moves way up the board. Um, Dasunmu is also way up the board because of the, the Levine out for the season news, so now we don't even need him to get traded. So now it's one move away in Chicago for those guys to last all year. Um, Okongwu was one move away, and now Capella's hurt, so he's zero moves away. Bagley's one move away. Um, Jordan Poole might be like one move-ish away. Hard to say, but Koulibaly's probably two. Dennis Smith Jr.'s probably two moves away. Schroeder and Gary Trent, as we mentioned earlier, are like 1.5. DeAndre Hunter's like one and a half moves away. Jabari Walker and Asser Thompson are more like three moves away. And so, if, again, if you're on Roto and you've got a slot... You think about some of those guys who you could pick up. Maybe you go try to trade for some of some of them if you can on the cheap and uh, and see how the whole thing shakes out. And then it would be important, I think, to talk about uh, Joel Embiid before we wrap up today's show entirely. Um, we mentioned him kind of in passing when we talked about the Sixers ball game. We don't have an official timeline on Embiid even still. Even still, we don't have an, an official timeline. News did break yesterday that he's going to undergo a procedure, whatever that means, and there is hope that he can return this season. I don't know if that means uh, regular season. I don't know if that means playoffs. But I would be floored if we saw Embiid, what's six weeks from today? One, two, three, four, five, six. That'd be March 18th. I don't think there's any chance he plays before then. I think there's a very real chance he's out for the rest of the regular season. But I also think the thing you got to do here is, number one, add Paul Reed, because he'll be a top 100 center in 25 minutes a game, and I think he can get that when he doesn't have the flu. But number two, just wait. They're going to have to give a timeline at some point here. I don't think it's going to be much longer. He's the reigning MVP. He was probably going to be the MVP this year before he got hurt. So Woj, Shams, all these guys, they're going to be digging. They know people need to know more, and they're going to be digging on it, and they're going to give us whatever the team gives them. I'd call it a coin flip. We see Embiid anywhere uh, during the regular season at this point, 50-50. Meaning, I don't think you can drop him if your league goes to the end of the regular season. If your league ends three weeks early, you can almost definitely drop him. Uh, your league might not even let you drop him because he's a first-rounder, so they think, you know, you're trying to muddy the waters there. Uh, but again, if you're in a Roto League that goes to the end, you hold. If you're in a head-to-head -head league that goes to the end, so like a Yahoo Public League, you hold because you need to see what happens. You can't, like, if Embiid, Embiid is obviously a player that's so good that you would sta you'd stash him for eight weeks if you had to, for probably a half a season if you had to. But certainly if it's like, if there's any chance he's back in six, you absolutely need to hold. Uh, so try to wait, see what's happening here. Let's not freak out yet. We just got to hold a little bit longer. Fine, get it. Let's get a timeline on this. Uh, but I had Paul Reed in the interim, and that is, I think, basically our show. Um, very quick glance over at the chat room to make sure that you guys didn't bring up a player that I forgot to. Oh, Tari Eason. He said he's close. I like Tari Eason a lot. I don't think he's going to play a ton of minutes right away because they're going to ease him back in. 
Um, so even if he played by midweek, let's say, I don't think he'll have fantasy value for probably another week to week and a half after that. So just make sure if you are stashing Tari Eason, um, don't expect much out of him until uh, maybe more like February 15th or so. Um, I like him a lot. I love his fantasy game. I just want to try to make sure that everybody's expectations are kind of uh, held in check here. Um, is Ben Simmons worth holding? I, my answer to that, I, I think, is a no. Um, is Andre Drummond a league winner if he gets traded to Philly? Uh, I don't think he'd play. Well, I don't think Nick Nurse is going to play Andre Drummond more than about 22, 23 minutes of ball game. So I don't know about league winner because he's also god-awful at the free throw line and just a super weird fantasy game. Um, he would be an ad if he gets traded there. Uh, but I think you're probably looking at more like, you know, top 100, top 120 range because he won't have the energy to do what he did. You know, he filled in for Vooch for like a week and he put up some giant numbers. He'd have to pace himself a little bit more. So very much an ad if Drummond gets traded somewhere where his minutes get into the 20s. Um, and very much an ad if Vooch gets traded, although that feels like a little bit more of a long shot. I don't think I'm stashing Drummond because I don't know that the... Uh, I don't know that he's like a definitely getting traded kind of guy, um, but he's certainly somebody to watch. So a good name to throw out there. Good call by Honkus here in the stash room. And is Keontae George a stash? No, he played big minutes yesterday because the bench unit went nuts. And that I got to wrap it up, guys. I got to get my wife off to work. Um, we're all flooded in here. I'm going to do my best to get over to social today in some capacity. There will definitely not be a second show today. Thank you to the over 100 of you that were hanging out live with us on a Monday morning talking fantasy sports. Shout out to anybody that listens or watches after the fact. Hey, uh, please try to tell someone about the pod. This is really the fastest way that we can grow here at Sports Ethos is the podcast because I can take all of you and I can cull you together to check out awesome Sports Ethos content. So a retweet, a like, whatever you can do, uh, tell your friend, uh, tell your league. Like, especially if you win your leagues, you're like, this is how I won. Um, I know it's hard because you don't want to give away your secret, but uh, we need your help on that front. And I will talk to you when I talk to you. Everybody stay safe if you're out here on the West Coast, man. It is, it's a dumping. So long for now. <laughs>